Christ community, I know it feels like the whole world has shut down. And because we haven't been able to worship together here at the church building, you may not actually be aware that a lot has been happening through the ministries of Christ Community Church. Here's a sample of just a few things. When I'm not studying for big exams because I'm still a college student, or if I'm not outside enjoying the weather, I am missing my church family so, so much. But I'm just really grateful that we have our Sunday sermons that Pastor Paul puts on. So I hope that you watch it with me this week and just cherish everything he has to say. Hello, Christ Community Church. We hope you're doing well. For joining in worship today and our song comes from chapter 3 of Zephaniah in verse 17 it says the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love he will exult over you with loud singing let us worship together Thank you. 
mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Christ Community Church. Hope you're doing well. As you get ready for the worship service, I want to give you a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, first of all, we're having another watch party. That seemed to be, go well last week. About 25 people uh, tuned in at 10 o'clock on Facebook. So look for that if you want to watch it together with a number of people from Christ Community Church. Uh, second, there are questions during the sermon that will all be posted at the end on one of the slides. So as you're together, uh, watching the sermon together, and you want to process some of those questions together, they'll be all together at the end of the video. I also want to say, uh, again, thank you all for your continued generous giving. It's really been a great blessing to all of us here. Uh, many of you switched over to online giving, which I would encourage you to do. Some of you are doing text to give. A lot of you are ma mailing in checks. So thank you for your continued generosity in that way. And we continue to reach out to a number of people in the community and helping them while they're having their own financial difficulties. And again, if you know of an issue, if you have an issue yourself, please would you call the office and let us know how we can help. Also, if you feel particularly disconnected in some way, you've not been a part of a small group, uh, this would be a great time to get involved. So call the office or call David Heinrichs and we'll get you connected, even if, even if it's just temporarily over the next month or so, with some folks that you can have a Zoom meeting with and, and just get some face-to-face -face time with other believers and other people at Christ Community Church. Uh, we have a health team that is led by Wendy Holdsworth uh, that we are looking at what we need to do and be prepared for as a church when we begin meeting together. And with the governor's announcement yesterday, it seems like that might be able to happen towards the end of, of May. It's hard, hard to say, um, but... Just as we prepare over the next month, uh, we've got a team of people looking at just how we would gather again together. And I just want you to know that these folks are working hard, and it's there are going to be some differences. I'm not exactly sure what they all are, uh, but I just want you to, I want to prepare expectations and may, maybe lower expectations that it's not possible to just return to normal. Uh, there's going to be a new normal, and I'm personally not aware of what all that new normal is right now. I just want us to be prepared together so we stay unified and and not criticize things that really don't matter that much as we try to gather together, because that's really what matters. And I know I've heard from a number of you all just, I, I can't wait to be back together. I love the videos, and I, I love being able to sit at my house and watch something rather than nothing. But everybody has said, hey, I can't wait to get together and, and just see people sing together and, and listen to God's word together. 
Um, finally, there'll probably be another live stream event coming up in the next week or so. Not sure what the date is of that, but I'm just letting you know now so you can be on the watch for that. That was a great success. And as we get ready uh, in the month of May to start doing some different things, we want to make sure everybody's uh, up to speed on the information. Love you guys. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to being together soon. Good morning. My name is Bill Mallow. I'm one of the elders at Christ Community Church. And I would like to read to you the scripture lesson that Pastor Paul will be addressing in a few minutes. It is 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13. Let me read it for you. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. I want to begin today by looking at this beach house in Mexico Beach, Florida. The name of it is called the Sand Palace. It sits at the edge of the Atlantic Ocean on Mexico Beach, Florida. And when the builders built it, they say this, and I quote, hurricanes happen, so we intend to build a house to survive. Think about that. Hurricanes happen, so we intend to build a house to survive. They, they knew that hurricanes happen, especially in Florida. We understand that here in Wilmington. And so they wanted to make sure that when the storm passed, their house was still standing. So they drove pilings down 40 feet into the ground. They they used the strongest materials, and their work was put to the test in 2018 when Hurricane Michael made landfall at 155 mile an hour's winds. And when the storm was over, guess what? Their house, their house was standing. Now they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words, and this picture is a perfect picture for what the Apostle Peter is talking about in his book. Uh, Peter, you might remember last week we talked about that he had to stand up to certain things. He had to withstand certain trials during his life. 
After the resurrection, he moves into the book of Acts as the leader of the early church, and he has to withstand external criticism. He has to stand against his own internal prejudices. And then he has to stand against the the internal critics in the church. And when we come to 1 Peter, when we turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter, Peter is now in the fourth quarter of his life. He's, He's beginning to make his way off the stage. And he sees this second generation of Christians making their way to center stage. And he turns around and he wants to help them. He wants to encourage them. And he primarily wants to encourage them to stand up, to stand firm. And you see it at the very end of the book of 1 Peter in chapter 5, verse 12. He says this, I have written to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. I've written to you, I've exhorted you, I've declared to you the gospel, the true grace of God. And then notice that phrase, stand firm in it. He, He sees them coming into center stage and he can't be sure what storms they're going to be faced with, but he knows storms are coming their way and he wants them to, to stand firm just like he wants us to stand firm. And over the next several weeks, we're just going to examine Peter's exhortations. And as we examine his exhortations, we want to examine our own lives and how he might be exhorting us to stand firm. We know we know, we know hurricanes are going to come our way. We know it because we're living in the middle of one right now, the coronavirus. You might want to just look at to the person that you're sitting next to and say, hurricanes happen. Hurricanes happen. You know hurricanes happen. So you want to build your life, your house, on a firm foundation. So when that, that hurricane happens and it passes over, you're, you're still standing. And you're not collapsing under the weight of a critical spirit. You're not falling down because you have a shallow faith. Thankfully, we have an excellent guide here in Peter. Peter knows what it means to fall down. Peter knows what it means to to stand up. So he's going to be a great encouragement to us. If you were to look at the first 12 verses of Peter, Peter unpacks some great theology. It's really mind-blowing. He talks about... The elect, God's election, God's foreknowledge, God's causing us to be born again into a living hope. And then God guarding our inheritance. God himself is, is guarding our inheritance. Peter wants us to remember the gospel. He, he wants us to remember the gospel because the gospel is the 40-foot piling that we're always going to be standing on. This, this is the gospel that's going to cause us to stand and withstand every storm. This is the gospel that's going to cause our own transformation. I participated in a a live stream conference for pastors last week. It was a a conference I was supposed to go and attend in person in Louisville. And it got canceled, so they decided to have the speakers go ahead and speak, and you could live stream the event. And one of the very first talks, now this was a conference for pastors, really all over the world. And all these pastors are now tuning in, and the title of one of the very first talks to pastors was, What is the Gospel? Isn't that amazing? It it doesn't matter how old you are in the faith. It doesn't matter if you're a minister of the gospel. 
it's always important to remember what is the gospel, to make sure you understand the piling that you need to be standing on. And Peter wants to make sure, what this conference wanted to make sure, is that we understood the gospel. So he begins with the gospel. And then in verse 13, we come to a pivot point. You might say a hinge point. The word therefore helps you see it. Therefore serves as a hinge which opens up the rest of the letter. We, we move from the doctrine of God to the, the duty of the disciple. We move from God's calling to our conduct. We move from what God has done to what He wants us to do. And in verse 13, we see that Peter fixes his attention on three things. And I want to fix your attention on these three things as well. First of all, let's look together. 1 Peter 13. Therefore, preparing, first, preparing your minds for action. Second, being sober-minded. And third, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just as we step through the door from what God has done to what He wants us to do, here's the first three things, the first three steps that Peter wants us to take. Prepare our minds, be sober-minded, and fix or set our hope on Christ. So let's look at those today. First, preparing your minds. This is a, a, a familiar term. It's a, a term that is used several times in the Bible, and it's called gird up your loins. That's what it actually means in the Greek. And that means in the, in the time of the New Testament, the disciples wore these long sort of flowing robes. They would go down to your ankles, and that might have been great fashion, but it wasn't great if you were you need to spring into action. And so in order to spring into action, you have to gather all this excess material and you have to tuck it in your belt so that you could move, so you could be agile. And so what Peter is saying is you need to gird up the loins in your mind. You have excess things in your mind that are causing you not to be able to move forward. And Peter knew in order to follow Jesus... There were things that you were wearing that had to be tucked away. Things in your mind that you had to say, I need to tuck that in. I need to find a way to move on from that. Now Peter is just echoing the words that he heard from Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Very familiar passage where Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious, remember, about food or your body or clothing you, you can trust God. He's going to take care of those things. And, and don't be afraid, he says. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about your possessions. Don't allow your possessions to possess you. Sell those things. Invest in treasures in heaven. And then in chapter 12, verse 30, 35, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Stay dressed and ready for action. It's the same thing Peter's saying here in his book. He's, he's saying the first thing when you walk through this door into your duty is you've got to stay dressed. You've got to be ready for action. If you want to be ready for action when Jesus calls, you're going you're gonna to have to be able to be, to, to be agile. And when you prepare for that, you need to be preparing for that moment 
right now. And that pre preparation is, is tucking things away and preparing your mind. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 14 in 1 Peter. Do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter knows there are passions that clog up your mind. And he, he doesn't want you to be conformed to that old way. There are old passions that are still calling after us, even though we've been born again into a new hope. My question for us in this, in this part is, what, what clogs up your mind? What passions prevent you from action? What, what do you need to tuck away once and for all? Now, there are a number of ways you can answer the question. Here are three things that I think might be worth your attention. First of all, you might have emotional excess. You, ha you have extra material emotionally that prevents you from moving forward. Jesus in Luke 12 mentions two things, fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety, they, they serve like ankle weights. Jesus wants us to move forward, but somehow we have fear, we have an anxiety, and we just can't move forward. Peter, in his letter, mentions three things, anger, envy, lust. These are things that we're going to have to put to death, put away. They're, they're excess emotional material that prevent us from moving forward. I have a friend who was talking to me not too long ago, and he said, Paul, I, I, it's like I have a box in my life. And inside of it is a bunch of difficult emotions from ex some experiences they had had in the past. And he says, at some point, Paul, I'm going to have to open that box, because if I don't open that box, I'm never really going to be able to move forward. Move forward in my relationships with other people, move forward in my relationship with God. That box was like an anchor. And God was calling him to move forward, but he, couldn't, he hadn't opened the box to really deal with what's happening in his soul emotionally. And I wonder, I wonder if you might have a box like that. Some box of anxiety or anger. Some, some box of fear or lusts. Something that every time God says, hey, here's, here's a place to take action, you're, you're weighted down. You can't really move forward. All of us have some emotional excesses that we need to address. So we're ready, ready, we're prepared for action. Secondly, I would say we have excess trivia or trash. We live in a... Uh, information society there's more information coming at us now than any other time during really during human history and I want to remember Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room and it came through a prayer in John 17 and Jesus is praying to God for this for the disciples sanctify them in the truth your word is truth. I want you, Heavenly Father, to purify them, to purify their souls by helping them understand the truth. And the truth is your word. May, may they be 
inundated with your word. May they be filled up for, with your word. So, so when, I, when I call them to action to launch this church, they're ready to go because they're filled up with the word, the word of God. Again, Peter really echoes this when he says in chapter 1, verse 22, Purify your souls. What a great, what a great phrase. Peter, he's exiting the stage. He's in the fourth quarter. And he looks back at these people who are going to go through difficult storms. And he's, he's just pleading with them. He's exhorting them, stand firm. And maybe somebody says, well, how do I stand firm? And he calls out, purify your souls with the word of truth. Purify your souls. He's just echoing what Jesus says. But we live in a culture full of, of trivia and trash we don't purify our souls like we should with the truth. So many of us are prepared for, for the net, next Jeopardy column about sports or the office or the bachelor or politics. We, we, we've, we've inundated ourselves with all this information. But when it comes to take action for eternal purposes, when, when God's ready to move and He's looking around for someone to send, we, we just can't move forward because... We have too much trash. We have too much trivia packed in our minds. A, a third excess treasure. Do you remember when Jesus called Peter? It, Luke chapter 5 is one of the places it's recalled. And I, I love this great account because Jesus is just meeting Peter and getting used to Peter. And Jesus is looking for guys who are going to launch this worldwide mission called the church. And in Luke 5, he gives Peter a couple of little tests just to see if Peter's the kind of person who can help lead this uh, new mission. And the very, you remember, Jesus has been teaching. He's asked Peter to get in a boat and put out a little way from the shore. And then after Jesus is teaching, he turns to Peter, who had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything, and says, Hey, Peter, can we take these nets that you've just cleaned and can we drop them back in the ocean and see if we can get one more catch? Peter, I know you're tired. I know you probably think, I don't know that much about fishing. I know you probably think, hey, you don't catch fish in the middle of the day. But I'm wondering, Peter, if you would trust my word even when it goes against your will. What a test. What a test. Peter, I need to find out whose word reigns in your life. Is it your word? Does your word get the final say? Or my word? And of course, Peter passes the test. He rows out. He, he lowers the net. And you remember the nets are breaking because so many fish are coming in. And they, they get the other boats to come in. There's, the boats are sinking. And, and finally, they get back to the shore. And they, they cast all these fish, all their treasure up on the shore. And I don't know if Peter was a, an accountant, but you could just imagine these guys thinking, how much, how much money we have here. It's, a, it's, it's an, an amount that we can't even imagine. And right at that moment, Jesus turns to Peter and says, hey, come follow me. What a test. You see the, you see the test? 
Peter, I need to know where your treasure is. Here it is. Here's a worldly treasury. Here's a worldly bounty that you can't even possibly imagine that you would get in one day. And then here I am. You, Peter, you can't love both. Who's your treasure? Peter obviously chooses Jesus. But do you see, Peter knew something. He knew that in order to follow Jesus, you're going to have to let go of excess treasure. You can't love both of those things at the same time. It's, it's just not possible. Peter knows if you're going to be useful for the kingdom, you have to unload. You're going to have to cut off excess treasure. I don't know if you ever watch on ESPN uh, these World's Strongest Man competitions. I, I find them fascinating uh, mostly because of the kinds of events they ask these guys to do. It's not just weightlifting. They, they pick up big rocks and they do all these crazy things. And to me, one of the craziest things that they do is they do the truck, the track, or the, uh, the uh, truck pull. And if you've seen it, they, they have this giant harness on and they have a rope and they're supposed to pull the rope. And when the, when the whistle blows, they, they spring into action. But what they have to do is they have to pull a truck like 30 feet. It's, a, it's really crazy. And they, these huge, powerful men spring into action. But you know, their first step is like two inches. Why? Well, they have a, a tractor truckload of stuff that they're trying to pull. And my guess is some of us are like that. We just have too much stuff. And, and God is constantly on the move in our world and he's looking for people to partner with to jump in and be ready for action and yet we come in and say oh I've got all this anxiety i've got all this anger i can't move forward i i've got all this trivia and trash that's really not useful i i've got all the, my treasures that every time i try to move I, I have to run back and take care of something i i'm really not able to spring into action but peter is saying hey Jesus is looking for people who are prepared. And now is the time to prepare. And so I just wonder, you're prepared. Or maybe are you using these weeks, these unusual weeks, to prepare your mind? You're saturating yourself in the truth of God. Second thing he says is be sober-minded. Now, Peter likes this imagery because he uses this term at the very beginning and the very end. In chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. And then he says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Such a, a vivid picture. Be, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Peter understands that a, a drunk person doesn't make good decisions. A, a drunk person doesn't give very good self-assessment. Self a drunk person doesn't give a good assessment of the situation they find themselves in. So he wants to make sure that they're sober-minded. They're watchful. Peter knows Satan can, can sneak up beside you. And if you're not careful, you can quickly get devoured. 
See, see, Peter knows what it means to not correctly assess himself very well. You remember in this upper room? Jesus said, even if everyone leaves you, hey, I'm not going to leave you. I'm the, I'm the man. I'm your man, Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, you don't know yourself. Peter, you're, you're not making a good assessment of yourself. And Peter, later that night, he gets devoured by a question from a 12-year-old girl. Do you know Jesus? And Satan just sneaks up on Peter and devours him. See, see this is what makes Peter such a, a great guide. He knows what it, it's like to, to not self-assess very well. He knows what it's like to get devoured. So he's warning us, don't be like me in that way. And so I wonder, in general, do you, do you feel like you make good, sober judgments about yourself? Peter says, purify your souls, watch over your souls. I wonder, would you hire yourself to watch over your soul? Do you make a good watchman over your soul? Or are you careful? Are you watchful about the kinds of situations you're in? Are you watchful about what you watch from a computer screen or a television screen or the kind of media that you absorb or the social media people that you follow? Or are you watchful? Do you understand the kind of impact those things have on your soul? Or are you a good watchman over your own soul? Be, be sober-minded. Be, have a mind that's prepared for action. This is how you're going to stand firm. This is how you're going to be like the sand palace after the storm. You're going to have a mind that's prepared for action. You've, you've taken care of excess things. And you, you're sober-minded. You're clear about your own weaknesses. You're clear about the situations you find yourself in. You're, you're watching out. And finally... And maybe most beautifully, he says this, set your hope. Set your hope. The word set here for the Greek means to the end. To the end, hope in Jesus. To the end, have your hope in Jesus. Here's, here's Peter. He's very near the end. He's under a great deal of pressure. He's, he's very near the time that he, he himself is going to die for his faith. And he's turning back around and he's saying to these people, hey, never lose sight of what your hope is. Set your hope on Jesus. Jesus, the true king, is going to return. And I need you to have your hope set on that reality. Because Peter knows our, our current hope, our future hope, guides our current conduct peter knows whatever you're hoping for right now in the future is driving your current conduct and he wants us to have our hope notice he says this set fully on christ now if you're a lord of the rings fan you'll love this little movie clip that i'm about ready to show you it's there's a lot of great speeches that gandalf the great wizard makes in the Lord of the Rings. And this is one of the top two or three. And it's in the very last movie appropriately named The Return of the King. The true king is coming back. And Gandalf is sitting inside of a castle with Pippin, this, 
this sort of small little hobbit who's always a little bit nervous and, and, and running around scattered, not usually making great decisions. And the, it looks like they're going to lose this battle. There's a giant knocking on the door. The bad guys are winning. The, the, the good guys are, are dying. And Pippin looks up at Gandalf and says, you know, I didn't think it was going to end this way. End. And then Gandalf has this beautiful little speech that I want you to watch and then we'll come back and make a comment about it. I didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we almost take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. What? And Alpha. See what? White shores. And beyond. A far green country into a swift sunrise. Oh. That isn't so bad. I love that clip. I think this is where Hollywood gets it right. Uh, end. End. Do you notice how Gandalf said end? Like that, that never even occurred to Gandalf that this would be the end because he had a hope set on something else and he tries to describe it. And Tolkien does such a good job here. No, the journey doesn't end here, Pippin. Death is just another path, one that we must all take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. And then did you notice how Pippin's like, see what? I, I want to see that. I want to have that hope at this moment. White shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. See, see Gandalf knows he's heading somewhere. And as difficult as this moment may be, even if he loses this battle, he has a future hope that allows him to move forward. And then you notice at the very end of the clip that they go back to the soldiers and then they come back to Gandalf and he nods his head like, you got that? You got that? That's, that's our hope, Pippin. I'm trying to infuse you with that kind of hope. And I'm trying to do that here today. I... I realize it's a lot harder to do when you're doing, on an, doing it on a video. But if we are here today, I might walk down and say, is that your hope? Set your hope on Jesus Christ. So that no matter how, how difficult your current circumstances are, even if you might die in this current circumstance, you know, it's not the end. There is a time where there's going to be a great sunrise of Jesus Christ. 
And that hope, that reality set in my mind causes me to to move forward. So today, Peter, our guide, he's he's taking us by the hand. He knows what it's like to to weather storms. Go, Go back to the picture of the house. The house is still standing because somebody invested enough to prepare the house. And I'm wondering if you've invested in the way Peter has advised today. Have you invested in preparing your mind? Have you set your foundation on the firm footings of the gospel? Are you ready for action? Have you taken care of excess? Are you sober-minded? Are you watchful over your own soul? Do you have your hope set on Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your words to Peter and to us today. First of all, I just pray that every heart, every soul, every life would trust in the gospel. And that's our foundation. And then would you challenge everyone listening to this to the point that you're, you're trying to make in their lives right now. It might be some kind of excess, some kind of box they have that needs to be opened and dealt with because they just can't seem to move forward. They, they can't spring into action because they're weighted down by treasures or emotional turmoil. Maybe we don't make sober judgments. We're really not a good watchman over our own souls. Or perhaps we have our hopes set on different things than Jesus. Would you speak to us? Would you cause us to hear your words and then give us the courage to walk in your ways? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.